again, two questions so far. Number one, the story of Rabbi Amnon, is it for real? And we've questioned the, the source material from the wider knowledge that we have of those particular rabbis at that time in Jewish history. We have records of all of their names. We don't have a record of, of, of Rabbi Amnon. Question number two is that, uh, or point number two is that we that in the Cairo Geniza uh, um, project that was started by Solomon Schechter, it, you know, now well over a hundred years ago, the, the, the one of the, the the most amazing finds was a copy of the prayer of Unatana Toka, dating back much earlier than the prayer that we have in the name of Rabbi Amnon, as we have in the machsa which we use all use today. So these are two questions on the prayer of Natanatoka. Look at question number three, because it's it again it's it, it's looking at the story. I'm going to go back to the story, and I'm just going to point out two words. The beginning of the story, when it's quoted by this Rabbi Ephraim of Bonn, he said, Rabbi Amnon Yosad. Yosad means to establish the prayer. So according to the initial word that's used over here, Rabbi Amnon's prayer was established by Rabbi Amnon. Was the, he made the prayer. When it, you see later on, and it describes him actually uh, saying that prayer at the time just before he died, V'yacharkach, it says, Omar. He said the prayer. So, you know, people are, are being a bit picky over here, but they're saying, you know, make up your mind. Did he establish the prayer? Because that was a prayer that was brand new at the time. Or, Omar, did he just say it? Meaning it was a prayer that was known, maybe only to individuals, and it wasn't communally recited. And what Rabbi Amnon did at that moment was to turn it from a prayer which was known maybe to scholars, and it became a prayer for the whole of the Jewish people. So, again, the wording of the story, going from the word Yasad to establish to the word Omar, suggests that Rabbi Amnon may not have necessarily been the original author of the prayer. That's, that's another question, which again is, is fascinating. Let me just look at a few more points. The moment when he's supposed to have said the prayer is unclear. Right? It says, the verse he was supposed to have said is commonly said just before Kedusha. As I pointed out, there was a certain point where he was supposed to have said this particular um, introduction to Natanatoka, but it's a prayer that's been established before him. It was always said at that point just before we say Kedusha. So again, the same question. Who wrote the prayer? Was it Rabbi Amnon or was it somebody else? Do we have any record of such gruesome punishments in these, in these days from the Crusades? And the answer is no. Right? There's no other rabbi recorded, and there are records of what they did to the Jewish community. And these, this makes very grim reading. But this particular treatment of the rabbi is not found in any other source or any other rabbi who was treated in the same despicable way. So again, one raises the question, is this a story which has, how should we say, it's, I wouldn't say, let, let's, let's be very blunt, it may have been made up for a purpose, and the purpose was very noble, but the details of the story may very well be open to question.
And here's an interesting thing which, which somebody points out. Um, I read this article from someone in JTS, and he points out that Amnon was a name which was used in Italy. The Italian Jewish community had Rabbi Amnon's, but not a name that was found amongst Ashkenazic Jews, meaning Jews of Germany or of France. So if this is the case, then you know we're building an argument to say historically... This prayer, Natana Tokev, the whole story that you have in your Ask Scrolls uh, Maksa, needs a, how should we say, you have to take it, I guess, the expression I would use, with a certain pinch of salt. Not to say that it's, it's, it's a, a story which doesn't have merit, but does it have authenticity? And I think it's just interesting, after all these years of saying <coughs> and singing the, the beautiful words of Natana Tokev, just to find out a little bit about where it came from. And Here comes an interesting thing, which I never knew. There are similar prayers that were found from earlier sources. There was a Jew, believe it or not, and again, I'm just taking the word of the scholar who brings this to our attention. I think it's an Israeli scholar who wrote this. There was a a man called Romanus. Now you can imagine that this guy, with a name like that, wasn't particularly Jewish. But he converted. And he lived in the 6th century, and he recorded a similar prayer of his own worship in the Christian deity. In other words, we find a prayer very similar to the Tanatoka, which was put down by this, this gentleman. Obviously, he was a scholar, and he'd converted to Christianity. And one has to assume that where did he get the prayer from? He, he heard it in shul originally, and he, he copied it down. Now he's a Christian. He can let the Christians know about this beautiful prayer, right? Whichever, whatever you want to say. Modern scholars have found, as I said, the copy in the Cairo Geniza. These two professors, I mentioned their names, Jakob Spiegel and Menachem Zulai. Right? I do not know these gentlemen at all, uh, but they are both very well documented on this particular subject. And here comes something really interesting. What do we say in the Tanatoka? Listen to this. There is a statement in the Talmud Bavli. It's the Babylonian Talmud, Rosh Hashanah, page 16. And I'll read it in English. Rabbi Yitzchak said, A person's sentence is torn up on account of four types of actions. Four things will change the outcome, the Gzar Din. Right? Four things. Remember what we said at the end of the Tanatoka, Tshuva, Tfila, Tzedakah. Three things. And here, the Talmud, Babylonian Talmud says four things. What are the four things? Giving charity. All right, that's the Tzedakah bit. Crying out in prayer. That's the Tzedakah bit. Changing one's name and a change of one's deed. Changing one's deeds, you can say that's the Tshuva bit. But what about changing one's name? That's strange. That There's no allusion in the Tanatoka to the concept of changing your name. What does that mean? He says he's got allusions for all these things. Giving charity. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Um, he talks about changing your name. Where did that come from? It says um, a change of one's name. I'm just highlighting that. That I'm just following with the arrow, with, with the cursor. A changing of one's name, as it is written, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah. Famous thing of the change of name from Sarai to Sarah. And that again was a sign of being forgiven her sins. Right? Very interesting. And then finally, changing your deeds, because it says in the book of Jonah, which we read, obviously, on Yom Kippur, it says that God repented of the evil which he had said he would do to them, did not do it to them, and that's basically because they did tshuva, they changed their actions. 
So according to the Talmud Bavli, four things. There are four things that avert the decree. And what do we say in the Tanatoke? Three things. So with all due respect, if this is a prayer which is based in Babylonian Talmudic tradition, right? It should have said, Tshuva, Tfilat, Stoka, Ver, for the fourth thing, Ma'avim, Ezra, Gezera, changed the decree. But it doesn't say that. It only refers to three things, Tshuva, Tvila, Tzedakah, repentance, prayer, and charity, and Stoka. So where does that come from, those three things? And the answer is, we dig around and we find the Jerusalem Talmud. Now the Jerusalem Talmud comes from the land of Israel. And what does the Jerusalem Talmud say? It's also in Breshit Rabbah, a Midrash coming from Eretz Israel, And it says quite clearly, Rabbi Yudon B'Shem Rabbi Elazar, this rabbi said, Three things cancel the decree. What are they? Tfilah, Staka, Uchuva. As we have them in the prayer of Natanatoka. So, putting two and two together would absolutely suggest, like we said from the Cairo Geniza, the prayer was found to have originated from Eretz Israel. And if we're talking about the Jerusalem Talmud, which is founded in the land of Israel, was written and composed in the land of Israel, then this prayer of the Tanatoka has its roots in Eretz Israel. It's not a prayer of the diaspora. It's actually a prayer of Eretz Israel. And to be honest, and to be frank, I, I would say that that gives it its extra oomph, the extra sense of, of, of emotion, the sense of power of that prayer. If you realize it's a prayer that was composed in Eretz Israel, it's, there's something very, very intense about that prayer. It's an emotional attachment that we have to the prayer, and... We ask ourselves sometimes why, why particularly this prayer, now that we understand that it may have originated from the land of Israel, it's got that pull which maybe other prayers coming from the diaspora would not have the same sense of, of commitment, of connection. It's a suggestion, and I think it's, this is an interesting um, uh, suggestion. <coughs> what we're going to do over here, and I'm just bringing a conclusion to this part because there's just one more part to, 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 to go through very quickly. To, that the conclusion is a much earlier tefillah was said in Israel hundreds of years before the story of Rabbi Amnon in Germany. Why is it attributed to the Middle Ages? So again, why then, with the Art Scroll Commentary and all the other machzorim where it has the story, why does it come out of the Middle Ages, a story about a Rabbi Amnon? who may not have even existed. What is it doing? It's connecting this, this prayer to the persecution in Christian Europe during the period of the Crusades. And of course, the question is, any thoughts? Why would we focus this prayer as a, a creation of that particular period, as opposed to where it really came from? We've got a lot of evidence now to suggest it came from a much earlier place, meaning it came from Eretz Israel. The only thing, again, I can suggest is what I said before, that people knew it, but it had not become what we would call public property. It wasn't known uh, in the public arena. And it became more relevant in people's lives during the Crusades when the communities were being destroyed one after the other, and people revisited that prayer. 
And of course, Barosh Hashanah Yikotevu and Yom Tzom Kippur Yikotemu, Mi Becherev, Mi Mayim, you know, all of these terrible deaths which were being experienced by the Jews during that terrible period of the Crusades around the beginning of the 1100s, 1096 to be precise. So this is, again, I, 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 is, it, is this going to make a difference to your recital of Natana Tokev? The answer is no. But I think it's just interesting to know that, and to me it's always been a question, why it's got such a powerful draw, and why it becomes one of the real uh, um, focuses of the, prayer, of, of the whole prayer. And if you now understand, it really did come from Eretz Yisrael from an earlier time period, maybe that's one, <coughs> one of the reasons that it's got an extra special kedusha and an extra special attraction. The problem which I just want to de- deal with very briefly is what we're calling the theology of the prayer. What does the prayer say? And we all know it. Let me just go back to the not sharing the screen. What does the prayer say? Tshuva, tfilad, stakah, ma'avirin et ra'a We all know the words. Well, how do you translate that? It says, we translated that uh, repentance prayer and charity, tzedakah, ma'avirin. What does ma'avirin mean? We understand normally it means to take away, to cause, to pass over. La'avor in Hebrew means to, uh, to, to go over from one side. If you go from one side of the river to the other side of the river, you do ma'avor. You go from one side to the other. Right? And that's the word that we understand, the concept they take away Roa HaGazera. So, you open up a book of theological discussion by serious scholars again, and the question is raised, is that really true? And we have to ask that question if we're thinking about it now before Shoshonah. Nebuch, we, we, we've had a year of Corona, and we've heard of cases of people passing away. And we ask ourselves the obvious question, what, you know, which we always do, in, in, especially in tragic situations, people who died very young, we ask the obvious question, Lama, why? Do, do we know why? Do we really have an answer to this? And if we are saying in the Tanatokif that there are three ways that we can annul the decree, then it seems that you know, this is a questionable statement. Were those decrees annulled on the people who on the Rosh Hashanah prior to when they uh, got sick and maybe then they, they, it led to their, their, their passing away, had they gone through this process, why did it not have any effect? Particularly we're talking about younger people, we're talking about people who, like we had in COVID, so many people who, you know, for, for, for reasons that we find so difficult to understand. The theology of the prayer is very challenging. And I... I, I I raise the question with a bit of hesitation because, you know, we're not doubting the word of the prayer, but maybe we need to re... What's the word? Recalibrate what the prayer is really saying. And I want to go back on to the, to the handouts. I want to show you something very, very interesting. Listen to this. And please forgive me. I found this suggestion in the name of somebody called Mark Saperstein. Mark Saperstein, believe it or not, is a very prominent reform rabbi in the United States. I, I'm not averse. I, I go with my teacher, Nechama Leibovitz, who 
many, many times quotes from a rabbi Jacob, Benno Jacob. Benno Jacob was a leading reform rabbi in Germany. And he wrote a commentary on the Torah, which she absolutely adored. She adored the commentary, because she found that there was so much uh, beautiful um, concepts which were in the commentary, and she quotes him all the time. And in fact, she got criticized by many people for doing it. But she stood her ground. She said there's truth to be found where you find it. It can be in, in, in different, different traditions, whatever it is. This is still something that you can bring to explain Torah. So this Rabbi Saperstein says the following. I think he says a beautiful idea. He says the prayer is very significant because of the word ma'avirin. What does ma'avirin really mean? And to give you an example, he says, look at the where we read about the three things that, in the, in the Jerusalem Talmud, the three things that uh, take away the evil decree. Look at the language over here, just pointing to it. Shlosha devarim mevatlim gezerot ra'on. What is mevatlim? Bit like, like chometz, bitl chometz. What does bitl mean? The word in Hebrew, bet, tet, lama. It means, that means to cancel, to completely annul. Three things annul the evil decree, according to the Talmud, Jerusalem Talmud. However, the prayer of Natana Tokev was faced with a dilemma. And the dilemma is that we look around and we see people doing teshuva, tefillah and tzedakah and unfortunately they get sick and unfortunately they die. And we ask the question, you know, what happened to all of this prayer which went before it and all of the charity and all of the philanthropy? What's going on? So says Rabbi Saperstein something very beautiful. I really like what he says. He says there's no promise here of Mavatlin. The prayer doesn't say that these three things cancel the evil decree. It says Ma'avirin. Ma'avirin la'avor can mean also to get you through the difficult moment. It means that when we're faced with these difficult moments in life, and we try our best. We say, what can we do to change the world? What can we do to change our situation? You know, I, 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 you, know you get diagnosed with something. What can I do to help myself spiritually? Says this rabbi, and I, I think it's beautiful, he said that the prayer is telling us not that these actions of prayer and charity and Staka, the Tshuva Tfilah and Staka is going to change the decree, but it may very well be a source of inspiration and comfort to help us to get through the situation that we find ourselves in. Very often you find when someone is in a difficult situation, you know, emotionally or physically or whatever, that kind word, that action, you donate something in their uh, uh, to their merit. You know, you make this donation. Many shuls do that. Or you have this concept of, of, of uh, tefillah, that we daven for somebody who is not well. That doesn't guarantee that the decree will change, but it helps us to get through those difficult moments. It means that we feel that we have access to something which is ma'avirim. Ma'avirim means to help us to pass over. doesn't mean to cancel, but it helps us to get through the moment. We have to reflect, and if we reflect because of something going on, then we reflect on 
Teshuva, you know, how can we improve to help the other person, to f- or help ourselves? Tefillah, what do I say? What do I daven for that person, to heal him or whatever? Tzedakah, how can I help them through a donation, through a, um, an awareness of, of, of promoting a cause which is so important? Whatever it may be, supporting the local shul, supporting the local charities, supporting Eretz Israel, which endless number of charities. I'm sure you're all getting the, the um, you know, all the letters from Israel at the moment for Shoshana. The reality of it is that this is what the prayer is really saying. We, can we guarantee that we'll cancel the decree? No. But can we help ourselves to get through this and feel that at least we can try to um, uh, to, to, to survive, you know, and to, and, and, and to be able to, to do something to, to overcome it or to live with it, to make sure that, you know, at least we've tried our best to make it, uh, to minimize it as much as we can. If it's a bad decree, that is what the prayer is really saying. I hope I express this as clearly as I, as, as, uh, as I could. I'll read it what, what it says here. In other words, the Jerusalem Talmud and the Midrash say a very simple but problematic theology. If you do X or Y, you can annul the evil decree. In practice, this was not always the case. This is not always the case. And the acts of Tshuva, Tzvil, and Stoker can at least help us to cope with the evil decree, even if we cannot rescind it completely. And I, I feel this is such a precious idea. It's a beautiful idea. This is the pshat which many of us can relate to, a coping mechanism for the tribulations of life. Right? To quote Rabbi Saperstein. I think it's beautiful. And it will change the way that I think personally about this prayer next week when we're standing on Rosh Hashanah and, you know, we say those powerful words, Tshuva Tzvilat Stoker Ma'avirin. Right? Can we be sure that this will cancel the decree? No. But can it help us by feeling that at least we can do something to make an effort, at least to cope with it and to live with it, you know, to, to, to deal with it as best we can? Maybe that's what the prayer is really saying. And there's a, there's a beautiful article which I can just refer you to by Rabbi Malamet, who, Freret Israel, who's uh, written also on the Tanatoka. And I'm just going to add one comment from, of my own. I would add that today our challenges come from an abundance of material wealth. Very often, our challenges are different to the, the world that our grandparents came from. If they came from Europe, our world is a challenge of materialism. And we have freedom in society. And it facilitates assimilation. Look what's going on in the American Jewish community today. It's really, really difficult, challenging. This powerful prayer should be a reminder of true Jewish values it represents and gives us the hope to remain faithful and to look to the ultimate spiritual future of the Messianic age. And when we think about it in terms of what this prayer says to us and the powerful message, and as I said, even if Rabbi Amnon didn't live, even if he, it's the story is a completely made-up story. But the power of that prayer, and particularly if it comes from Eretz Israel, is something that we should be, I think, made aware of, we should think about, I think it's something that should inspire us when we are standing on Rosh Hashanah, that we are saying words, not just a thousand years old, probably 1,500 years, even older than that. And it's coming from such a special place, and it's coming from such a special mindset, and it's coming to give us encouragement and strength to overcome the tribulations and the challenges which, boy, last year, you know, we, we all thought by Rosh Hashanah 5782 we would be over the worst. And I read this week that, that numbers in Israel are going up, and numbers over here, and Australia's on lockdown, and this whole Parsha is just not going away. And 
how do we cope with this? How do we deal with this? How do we get the strength to deal with this? And the prayer is giving us this special prayer in the Tanatoka, I really believe is giving us an encouragement, at least if we can't get rid of it, but you know, what can we do in our own small way to try and minimize and cope with it? Chuva, tefillah, tzedakah. It's, it's, it's the old recipe, but I hope may be couched in a slightly different format. Um, I'm going to leave you with that, because I hope <laughs> it's, it's given you food for thought. Uh, Yaffa, please. Rakasha. Uh, so, when is actually the story of Amnon? When did we start hearing it? Uh, from this rabbi in Vienna, who was lived around the end of the, around about the 1200s. I think his dates are 1260 to 13-something. The Orzarua. So, so, he either made up this story or got it wrong? He or? claims there was a manuscript. He claims there was uh-huh. a manuscript. But the, when you dig into it, you find out that the history doesn't really tally. One of the things that very often, you, when, you, when you try and do a historical analysis of certain events and certain traditions in Jewish life, you very often, not very often, but sometimes you find the history doesn't really hold together. Right, I think even Rabbi Wine talks about. You know, he, he's he's big into the history stuff, and you'll find that sometimes the story—it's not that the person fits the story; the story fits the person. It's made to fit the particular person to make a point, to make a um, a determination for us. But when you look at the history objectively, it's challenging. And the Tanatokiv, I think, is really such an interesting example of this. And maybe just, you know, we've, I, I mean, I, this research, certainly I feel I've got a different approach to this prayer. Not Shalom, a negative approach, but a different approach. And particularly the concept Ma'avirin, I think, is really, really precious. It may not get rid of the evil, but may, boy, this can help us, you know, within and from, from helping others to cope with these challenges. And there's so many challenges we have to deal with. Does, uh, does Art Scroll recognize this discrepancy? I think you better be careful with the, uh, you know, there's a bit of tornado going on outside. You got, if you say that, you got to, you you know, just watch your trees. Uh, Art Scroll, (laughs) Art Scroll is definitely not going to be into any of this stuff because it's, uh, let me put it this way, it's not anti-traditional, but it's not traditional, let's put it that way. Um, but I think it's important that we get real about some of the things that we say. I love the fact, I'll be honest with you, that it comes from Eretz Israel. I think that is so special. And, that, mm-hmm. and, and why is it so, that every community, doesn't matter where you go, you know, in, in whatever shul, this tefillah is always there and it's the most emotional moment of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And as I said, as a kid, I remember people crying when they read the words. And we think about these words all the time. Right, me by my, me by this, me by that. It's 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 so powerful. Um, I hope I hope that's a good thought. And me magefa. It covers all the bases. And how scary is that? Uh, Sydney, Sid. Yes, I can hear your voice. Yes, 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 Rabbi. So here's a question for you. I was thinking as you were going through this, the I am not familiar with, but is it part of the Sephardic? The Sephardim is in the Maxar of Sephardim? That's a great I've question. Never, I, I've I never analyzed that. Yeah, and I, the answer is I don't know, so what you have to do is to find a... I'm going to have to do some research. You're going to have to do some research, and please let me know. Please let me know. What about the Koran? And Koran is, is Ashkenaz. 
Koran is Ashkenaz. Uh, they have yeah, they would have it, but what, they may have some notes on the history. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Rabbi Sachs wrote about it. I really don't know. I, I didn't get a chance to look that up. It Sorry, Sid. It would be interesting to see if the Sephardim have incorporated it into their liturgy for Edad Amazrach. Correct. Because that would be because you're talking about a prayer that was developed by the in the Crusades, theoretically. Yeah. And it should. How likely was it to be put into the Sephardic uh, liturgy? That would be kind of interesting to find out. Correct. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so now I have a job for Rosh Hashanah. I, I, and, uh, and you know what? Do some research. If I, Sid, if I'm a betting man, I would bet that it doesn't have a word of it in the Sephardic tradition. I absolutely am convinced it's not there. Uh, if it is there, then I'll have to eat my kippah. But uh, at this point in time, <laughs> at this point in time, I hope I don't have to do That's that. Because it was a rabbi from Germany who uh, originated. Correct, this, so correct, yeah. correct. But I having mean, been in Rome, it would be very interesting to see whether or not it is in because they have a different nusach in, in Rome as well. Yeah, um, yeah, and that, and again. You know, to see where it appears and where it does not appear. You know, we're so bound with the, with the, with with our nusach as being the only way to get to God that you have to realize. You know, there are other, other versions which are probably more authentic than what we do, and at least as authentic as what we do. But uh, let me know about I, the Sephardim. I bet it's mentioned in the conservative. Uh, I, I would have to. Look oh yeah, up. yeah. No, it's definitely there but in the conservative matzah. Uh, the new one from United Synagogue. I yeah, yeah, that would that would. I mean, the Tanatokov is the the prayer for everybody. I think it's even the Reform Machzor as well. I'm pretty sure. It's really. The big Google search shows that the Sephardim do not say in the Tanatokov. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I don't have to Wait, eat my kippah. They do not say in the Tanatokov. No, it says some Sephardic congregations, mainly Moroccans, do recite it, but most wow. don't. And wow. why Morocco? Wow. Maybe they were nearer to France because you, you've got to do a bit of geography here. And if they're near France, they picked it up from French Jews. I mean, who knows? Jews from France went to live in Morocco and they brought it with them. The, the, the history of these prayers is very, very fascinating and kind of speculative. We really are not 100% sure of the answer in many of these discussions. But I wanted to whet your appetite because the Tanatoko, it's so, it's, I'm glad, it's so interesting and so, you know, just to add another layer of something that we've said over and over and over again and to make it re- fresh in your eyes, if that, if I achieve that, then I, I'm good. You're, you're good to go into Rosh Hashanah on that, at least with that little uh, uh, boost, I hope. Uh, any other comments? Any other questions? Uh, on the on suggestion, I see Eitan is here. I don't see your camera, but I, 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 he did suggest. There you go. I can see Eitan. You made a suggestion to me. We'll talk about uh, dress code in 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 uh, davening. Uh, this won't be till after the Chagim, but one of the future uh, presentations. I'm, I'm looking into that already. Is the whole question of dress? Do you really need to wear a black hat to daven to say hello to God? Um, and I hope the answer is not what I think it is, but we'll wait and find out. Uh, so that's something which, uh, Mitzvah Shem, we will talk about one of our future uh, uh, discussions. Won't an argument in this crowd. I don't think so, but you know what? You know, I've got, I've got. A, maybe I should wear my hat for the occasion. I do have a black hat. Well, you, I, ha- I, talk about I keep it for weddings. Kittle, for too. And uh, talking about the kittel. The kittel is already, you know, that's got some interesting dimension. 
that's on on, uh, on Seder night. Some people wear the kittle during the Seder. Uh, to be continued, Bezrat Hashem. In the meantime, I want to say to everybody, should be Shana Tova Umetuka. I think the Metuka bit is really important. Have a little bit of extra honey, because we need a bit of sweetness. We've had such a difficult time, such hard year, you know, living through this, this horrendous uh, things that we are... Uh, we're now almost sort of, you know, taking for granted. Mars on, mars off. Do we, don't we? You know, it's all becoming part of, the, of our routine, which it shouldn't be. We should be, you know, fighting it. And I, I, please God, by next year, Mitz Hashem will, will be past this, this uh, terrible magaifa, as you mentioned. And it should be a good, sweet, happy new year for everybody, a healthy one. And Bezrat Hashem, a year of growth. Please go. We're looking at at, uh, at sons of Israel with growth. Looking at the other shuls here with growth. Cherry Hill should become a place, a real, real place of growth, and that's uh, my hope for the coming year. Thank you, Elise, for being the coordinator Thank as you, always, Elise. and wish Yisra everybody tova. really tiva tiva tova. Have an aliyah. And, and yes, yeah. And, all right. Lisa. That's about everybody. Thank you, Rabbi Shaft. Thank you. Inspiring us. Talking tonight with the with the tornado and you and you read this and it just every year it amazes me just how relevant all of these things are. Oh we man! Oh. Wildfires and we see the hurricanes and it's just it's all the same. It's all there. Uh, it's so all there. Here we have to fervently dive in for uh, for God's help. Yeah. So thank you. So yeah. Much. Good. Thank you so thank much. You and so wish everybody shana tova. Thank you so much. Thank you. Laila Tov. Laila Tov. Beautiful. Laila Tov.